Hopnology Classic. <laughs> Just going to do it a different way every time. That, that's my plan. You, get, you Do you have 170 of those in you? Uh, not yet, no. No? I actually only, I only have two when we're on the second one, so I'm going to have to think of some others. When you get to Klingon, you know we're about out of, out of ideas. <laughs> I w- I'm going to leave that to you. Oh, that's probably. Not I, I a, can't. Not a bad I idea. cannot do it in Hebrew. I, I can do it in Hebrew. I can do it in Hebrew. I can't do it in Klingon. <laughs> no, uh, don't do that either. No. I was going to say something very derogatory, but I refrain. I, I, I you'll, you'll still tell me off mic. It's fine. I will. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we, in you know, it's interesting. I looked at the title of the second episode. This is called collaboration. And I'm thinking, you know, when we talk about collaboration nowadays, you oh, breweries are always doing these collaboration beers where yeah. they're they're working together, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But this episode was not about that. It really was about collaborating as a grower with your brewers and working together. And really, it should have been called partnering or partnership. It was it was about being a partner and not a vendor, which is something that I think we enunciate better in later episodes. Ah, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. It was, it's like these earlier episodes were, what are our, we had that short, short list of burning topics where it's like, we got to talk about this. I really want to talk about this. And this was one of them, you know, the, the, uh, what was it? The, uh, lost my words. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why we're not recording full Which episodes is, anymore. Is, we can't. We're out of words. We just can't do it anymore. Right? See, now it's going to. Now I can't think of that word. Anyway, the, the 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 topic of trying to get customers at a beer festival. Oh yeah. Just how that continued to be a theme mm-hmm. of you know the top five things what of not to do as a hop grower is uh, is use a beer festival as your as your marketing platform. Right. The, the other thing that came up in this episode that I'm I'm so glad we discussed it early because we've discussed it repeatedly is that one of our mistakes early on and which we try and help people learn from our mistakes was not understanding at the very beginning that sales and outreach needed to be someone's full-time job. Oh, yeah. And, and we, we recognized quickly that it was a gap, but it still always became the, well, if we don't sell today, we don't sell. But if we, if we don't water... It's all over. So choices are being made. Yeah, and I think too it was uh, really as I was listening to this episode, I, <laughs> I like this should have been my first inkling in the stories that I'm telling that partnering with these people was not a good idea. And hopology. <laughs> are these people you mean like people like me? Wait a minute. <laughs> and Dan and Joe and all these people because of the stories I tell about us trying to market at beer festivals and it going lasting all of ten minutes before Dan's drunk standing in a water well, tank sure. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but but the memories. Mm. The memories. Yeah. So I was thinking this morning, uh, I had read a posting about a a relatively new hop grower who's super excited because they're going to their first, you know, I think that the topic was, or the title was, I'm going to my first, you know, beer festival and going to land some new customers. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) And I'm thinking, I'm like, don't, been there, tried that, done it. And, you know, it only took me. 
how many years were we around? It took me that many years to stop doing that. Oh um, yeah, there's 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 nothing a brewer likes more than being surrounded by drunk people he's pouring beer into little glasses for, and someone walks over and tries to sell them something. Yeah, or hand them a business card or or a package of hops. And what I learned early on is is um most of the time the brewer's not even there. And if the brewer is there, they're so damn tired because they got up at 2.30 in the morning to drive nine hours to some crappy little beer festival somewhere. And the last thing they want to do is have a conversation. Now, that's not everybody. I mean, I, I have made some contacts, um, but it's what I would consider like playing the long game, right, mm -hmm. of, of contact building. And so I thought, you know, hey, since we're going to chat today, why not chat about sort of making contacts in the brewing industry and and ultimately maybe some some things to look out for when somebody wants to collaborate sounds good to me absolutely and just sort of share some some insight that we've had on on when and how to approach brewers and, and frankly brewers when to if you've got an interest in approaching growers how to do it when to do it and and what to ask right so I don't know. I'll we'll just see. Let's we'll see where it goes. Sure. So I think years and years and what seems like decades and decades ago, when we first started growing hops as Gorse Valley, you know, I, I rounded up the whole crew and said, "All right, I I spent you know out of my pocket some some cash to to get the tickets to have some business cards printed up, some really really bad T-shirts, um, and I." I still have a few. You of those. still have you have those really bad early the vintage, right? That's the yellow uh, ones with the triangle on them. Oh yeah. no, this was even before. These were like iron-on t-shirts. I mean, oh, they were I... they were bad, <laughs> real real bad. Um, I still have mine, and uh, and we everybody piled in, you know, and we were just regular attendees, right? And man, we thought we were king shit. We thought we had it all together and everybody, all right, divide up. There's five or six of us, you know, each got 50 business cards. Don't come back until, you know, you're empty and uh, don't give one out unless you can give one back. And it was, you know, these are like five and six hour beer festivals and like an hour and a half in people are all hanging out. And I'm like, oh, hey, did you get rid of all of your business cards? Oh, I gave out three and they're in there and they're just, you know, hammered by now. And yep. it's like, oh no, you know, it's, this is how we, how we build contacts and, and yeah, I was, I was, James was not pleased. Yep. And, and yet that whole um, meeting each other and learning about each other, there's something to be said for that, but you're absolutely right. The, the environment there for, it's not a business environment. It's absolutely not. Um, I, I will never forget one of the ones that I was there for, and we, when we had our own tent and we we threaded hops up the the guy lines from our um, our canopy, and we had all kinds of different varieties out there for folks to smell. We, we had it was only about half an hour in, and we had someone come over who was far from sober <laughs> and wanted it. She's like, "I want a glass of whatever you're serving. Um, we we don't have beer here. We just have hops." Well, well, whatever you've got, I'll take it. I'll try anything. And we, we, I don't know if you were there for this guy, but I think it was probably Dan and I, we had to chase this guy away because he couldn't believe we were at a beer festival and didn't have any beer to provide to him. I know. And it's a, it's an odd thing because, you know, we can, and probably will have a whole nother show on just, you know, hop growers at beer festivals. But 
it seems like a good idea, right? You're like, all right, I, I got to contact as many of these brewers as I can to, to build up my potential customer base. And they're really hard to get a hold of, right? So why not just go to someplace where they're all going to be and I'll get them all at once. That looks great on paper. You know, that's oh, sure. fan, it's fantastic in the morning in the shower when you're like, oh yeah, I got this, right? Um, but then you try and do it. And then every third booth you go to, you find out the brewer's not really there. They've sent their junior varsity team and you give them cards and they, oh yeah, we'll give them to the brewer. Yeah, no, they won't. Not going to happen. Yep. And, and the other side of that is that if they even are there, they are there with a purpose and the, and the purpose is not to meet you. <laughs> um, well put. <laughs> the, the only thing they'd be pleased about meeting you is your comment a few minutes ago that um, you actually showered that day, whereas most of the attendees probably didn't before they showed up. This is um, true. This is true. But I think that something also to keep in mind here is that, you know, you, you've grown your hops, you want to get them in front of the brewers and in your mind, you are the the pinnacle beer geek in, in a good way. You are, oh, if when they meet me and they understand how into this I am, they're going to want to work with me. And what you need to understand is that these people that you're trying to get in front of, they, they are not only as much as and more of the beer geek than you, but they've got skin in the game and money in the game. And they're running a business and trying to make it work. Meeting you is not the highlight of their day. <laughs> Oh no, it's not, not even close. That's, that's the hard reality. So I would think, you know, for, for growers and I was thinking, you know, what would, if somebody, you know, came to me and said, what, man, can you give me a few pointers? What do I need to do if I want to really, it's really important that I, that I make a good impression with a brewer, right. To, to, to introduce myself, who we are and, you know, how do you, how do you get taken seriously? I don't know. And I figured we could give some folks some pointers on what we learned. Sure, absolutely. And it took us quite a while, quite a while to get get our, our foot in the door there with a couple of brewers. Um, and we did it, um, you know, there, there's, there's persistence. There's got to be. And it's very difficult to keep that persistence up when you're also trying to run a farm. Oh, totally. Because um, there's always something at the farm that needs to be done. And marketing and sales always feels like it can be done later. Yeah. I'll have time for that, but I've got to deal with this now or my crop is going to die. And that's tr- – right. there's truth to that. But um, making the time to get out there and talk to those brewers on their time, not during happy hour, not at the beer festival. Um, the trick is um, – I'm going to say one of the things that, that we had to do was make legitimate appointments to go in and sit down and speak to them. Yeah, that, that does. I think you're – that's a really good point because it, it sets a tone. If you just sort of wander into a brew pub and say, Hey, is a brewer around? I want to talk to him about buying my hops. How serious are you about it? Because if you look at the other salespeople in that industry, they're making appointments and they're not wandering in at four thirty or five thirty in the evening. And that, that brewer has been there for 14 hours in some cases. That's all. That's not being really respectful of their time. I know that it's challenging because a lot of folks listening to us are not full-time hop growers, right? They've got other day jobs, but 
this is part of demonstrating your dedication to what you're trying to do. And, and those sorts of demonstrations I, uh, really went a long way for us uh, while we were in that transitional phase. Getting there in, you know, getting out there at the right time uh, when it makes sense for them, even though it is in, it was convenient for us because we were all, you know, working full time other jobs at that point. You're absolutely right. Getting out there and making sure that we were in front of them when they were ready to see us was was critical. Um, well, I, I was actually gonna gonna tee up a question for you, which is that when you do go in there and sit down with them, because you did many more of those conversations than I did. What were the things that you felt resonated the most in terms of those conversations? Was it about quality? Was it about um, the the volume you were projecting? Was it about your knowledge of their brewing, or was it all of the above? I think the the single most impactful thing was having an elevator speech. And for people who aren't aware, you know, an elevator speech or an elevator pitch is if You've got to be able to boil down everything about who you are, your business, um, your hops, what makes you different, and why that brewer should be using or needs to use your hops into a 30-second or less pitch. Man, oh man, that sounds daunting right out of the gate, right? But honestly, the more you know about your own business and the more you know about your customer's business and industry, the easier that gets. I would have to go in and say, you know, hi, you know, A, thanks for making time to see me because I would have made an appointment. I know they're busy, so I'm not going to be in there taking a bunch of their time and I'm going to be direct and to the point, but I'm going to be courteous and say, hi, you know, this is who I am. This is what, you know, my farm, this is what we grow. This is why we're better than everybody else, or this is what our niche is. And this is why I think that you would be a good fit for my customer base. And I will have done homework on their beers. And I would be able to say something about their beers because that immediately would tell them, wow, this guy took the time to learn something about me. He's just not looking to turn a buck. Yep. And brewers are a very loyal bunch. And if you can if you can break through to them and and make a a personal connection, the sale is really easy to follow. I mean, assuming you're not selling them garbage, right? But, but <laughs> the, sure. but the 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 sale would come next. I would say that's the most critical thing: is have down. Who are you? Have that speech down. And literally, sometimes in your first few times, you may have to write it down on cue cards so that mm-hmm. you've got you've got those points. And you're probably going to be a nervous wreck the first few times you go in. But guess what? The eighth or ninth or fifteenth time you go in, you're not even preparing anymore because it's become part of who you are, and it's really easy to speak to. And that that's really the definition of expertise is is believing that you know not only knowing the topic that well, but believing that you know the topic that well and and just not worrying about what's coming out of your mouth because you know you're the expert there. I think um, another so, another trick that I would use would be I don't know, not a trick, another tactic would be, you know, to go in, you give them your elevator speech and then start asking them questions about their process. Because I think the other thing too that that really sets uh, the small, non-traditional hop grower apart from others, larger ones, is that if you take the time to listen to brewers and understand where their issues lie, and help them find solutions or suggest potential solutions, you're adding value, and mm-hmm. it it makes it much easier and much more comfortable for that brewer to say, yeah, all right, I'll I'll take a shot at at your stuff and, and give you that 
give you that foot in the door. It's the differentiation there between just buying an ingredient, which they can do online with a click of a button without wasting their time talking to you, or are they investing in a relationship and with someone that they trust who has knowledge? Um, I want to I want to dive into one detail here that I think is so critical, especially in this industry. Um, you mentioned talk about their beers, why you like their beers, why your products are good. The industry is it, it's growing rapid fire, but it's still a small and it's tight knit and it's very community based. So when you are talking about the beers you like and about the quality of your product, you've got to be super super careful not to take the easy way out and talk down about other products, other breweries that are local, other folks that grow in the area, because you never know what relationships exist between this person you're talking to and all of those other folks. It's so easy to say, oh, you know, I love this such and such porter that you put out. It's so much better. Have you tried the nasty one over from those guys across the street? You know, for all you know, they're big buds. Um, you need to be so careful in this industry and in many other industries, obviously, but it, but in this one, um, keep that in mind when you're having that initial conversation, not to throw others under the bus. You will step on your own feet if you do. And, and you know, for all you know, the brewer you're talking to contract brewed that nasty porter from across the street. <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> so it's, there's that. But, you know, I mean, we've had our share of competitors over the years. And, you know, even in Wisconsin, there were two or three um, groups uh, that we were, that were, we were all competing. And, you know, we never, never once a disparaging remark from us. Oftentimes, you know, in the later years, we, I would be asked say, Hey, what do you think about, you know, such, such and such growers or this group or that group? And you never know if they're genuinely interested in what you think, or if they're fishing, but frankly, even if they are genuinely interested in what you think, is it your place to really, you know, cut loose and give them your red blooded opinion? Probably not. Right. That's just not good business practice. Yep. So it says a lot about about you as a person to this person that you're trying to impress with your your ethics and your business practices. But I have a, I've got a question for you Greg since how we're in right. you're in Connecticut I'm in Wisconsin so we've got a half a continent between us and I think region makes a big difference on how you approach the brewer and sort of what the what their takes going to be on on non-traditional hop production. What do you think the the if you had to take the temperature of the brewers in your region, what would you say their interest is? Interest in terms of, of local hop production? Yeah, well, not it, just local, but, you know, non-traditional hop production. So, you know, not getting their, you know, getting their hops from someplace other than the, the big, big producers in the Pacific Northwest. I, I think five or six years ago, I would have said there there isn't any interest because there's a way of doing things and they're still figuring it out. I think we're a good five to ten years behind where you guys are. Mm. More recently, with the number of brewers that are popping up everywhere here, I'm seeing more and more that talk about local, that that are interested in not necessarily just going to the big guys and trying new things. There's a there's a guy down the road from me here who one of his staples on tap is a blueberry wheat ale made with hops and blueberries from a farm two miles away. Hmm. So there is 
there's an inclination to start leaning that way now and it's this is a whole nother another podcast or six but a lot of it's about i think differentiation and being able to speak to the fact that hey i'm getting this from you know right around the corner you passed that blueberry field over there um so the it's not as good as it is out by you there's not as much willingness to to try stepping away from the mass producers but it's getting better here well i would i would take a step back from that and say uh here in wisconsin there's very little willingness to work with in volume with with locally produced hops um local doesn't isn't perceived as adding value here it's very much a cost game uh there are and it's not all brewers right but just in general i go to some other states and you know um non-traditional growers are selling out of everything that they can produce and they've got a third of the number of breweries in their state that wisconsin does and the question is why and it's it's a a willingness by the the brewing community to engage and and take some some investment in in a you know a new commodity or new a new industry right um but it's it's not all the brewers though i mean i'll give them that but but it's it's I wanted to bring up this topic of locale because, you know, we've hopefully got listeners from all over the, all over the place. And in some communities, there are going to be brewers that are going to be crawling over each other to get local quote unquote hops. Um, but others, that local moniker doesn't really add value to them. And I just wanted to bring that up, that concept of local. And I, I like to say, you know, local may get you your first sale, but it won't get you your second. Right, quality and and relationship will that that's really what's so critically important. You know, it, it's interesting about you know what you're saying local by you, and I wonder if part of it is a volume issue where there is so much brewing going on in your area. If there's not enough local production to satisfy it, um, there's no choice but to go elsewhere. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. It's easy, I, I would think, to fall into that trap of, of being a brewer and saying, well, you guys, you know, just don't have the volume. Well, yeah, maybe 10 years ago, but, you know, last year when we had 150,000 pounds, really, that's not enough. And we've been able to demonstrate that over five years. What's the issue, right? So I get it. I get that part. But I just, I, I think the, the point I wanted to drive home is that local's great and and on a lot of different levels, but if we're relying on local as your selling point, you've got to really reconsider your your competitive edge and your business plan at that point. You have to have something else. Local's not enough. If you go into that brewer and say your first thing out of your mouth is the reason they should buy your hops is because you're local, meh. It might get you in the door once for a specialty brew. Uh, and, and to some degree, you can position it that way. It's, hey, you know, how about a limited batch release using this? And, you know, yeah, advertise it. And this gets back to what you mentioned before about asking the brewer questions and collaborating a bit. You know, you, you pitch this as a, a one-time thing. And, hey, if it goes well, we can do some more with it. That's a way to get in the door. It's not going to keep them coming back for more. I think too, brewers are generally a very you know open bunch of people. They're in a lot of ways rebels, uh, a lot of ways artists, um, but they in general they tend to be very approachable and open to new things because frankly they're all looking for something new to compete 
in the marketplace because their consumers are, are driving them for what's new, what's new, what you got new, what you got new. And so there's a little bit of that advantage to the to the small non-traditional grower, but really understanding the brewer, asking them questions in this initial, you know, meetup, understanding where their pain points are, understanding how they or what they perceive to be their competitive advantage and how do you sort of fit in with that is really important. These are not traditional suit and tie, used car salesperson kind of meetings. These are sit down, <laughs> chill out, right? And just be yourself and and build that relationship because everything else will follow if you have a, a good relationship and the brewer trusts you. Um, yep. And so I, I other other than having your elevator speech to bring it back what we were saying earlier and having a, a clear, concise message um, and listening to your brewer, I think those are your winning points. If you can if you can nail those every single time, um, your follow through, right? Your sales follow through um, rate should be pretty high. If it isn't, then then maybe you're using the wrong approach for your market. That's Very what true. I would say. How's the how's the um, how's like the collaborative thing out in your neck of the woods? You know, it's like, oh, hey, this. Well, you just said they just this this guy made a a blueberry something or another, right? A, With hops a, and yeah. mm-hmm. a blueberry wheat. That's um, he's had it for two or three years now, continuously. Yeah. Um, well, in the off season, has to get the blueberries elsewhere. But he yeah, puts yeah. that up on the board. You know, you know, importing the blueberries will be back fresh in this month. Right. Uh, so it's something that uh, that folks look forward to, and um, it it happens to actually be a good beer on top of the fact that it's kind of a nice local story. Hmm. Yeah, but do you think? And just I don't know. What do you think about the big splashiness of saying, "Hey, you know, this beer is made with hops from this local farm, and it's all over the label and the six pack and all this kind of stuff." What's your take on that? I think it's going to be really exciting for the people that own that farm and to no one else. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm being well, honest. That's kind of what we see too. Yeah. It sounds like a great idea. And and if you recall, we, you know, I'm sure you recall, we we talked, we went down that route for a little while when we were first starting out. We spoke to a couple of the breweries that were using our hops and said, hey, we'd like to put some posters up that say, you know, these are made with Gorse Valley hops. And the the thought process, I think, was a solid one in that it was the Intel inside approach. You know, you, right. there are people who look at a laptop and say, I, I, I'm only buying it if it's got the Intel sticker on it. Intel did a brilliant job marketing to consumers for something that they were never going to sell directly to a consumer. And we tried the same thing. Um, I just don't think it plays out. A consumer is going out going to a brewery, going to a, you know, a bar, and they want to try different styles. In the last five, eight years, they now understand more and more about different varieties. And you're seeing varieties publicized on different beers because some of the, you know, Citra, <laughs> um, you know, being hot and people want to see that. But a specific farm, the the window of people that will be interested in that and and get something out of that, I think, is so so narrow. Yeah, we we would find. I would ask uh, brewer customers, and there it wasn't too long, you know, after we had gotten into the game, where we just stopped because we started seeing it as a liability, and saying, 
and, and our brewer customers did too, saying, well, wait a minute, if I put that on my six pack or my label or whatever, and I get it all approved through the TTB and blah, 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 and then I'm not using your hops for some reason, that's a label violation. So the risk was too great. Yep. So, and then and then the risk to us as well, suppose, suppose someone puts out a beer that is not good and our name is all over it. Oh yeah. That that that's you're more likely as a consumer to remember that and say, "Oh god, I'm not having beer with that stuff in it again." Than you are to remember one you liked. That's true. Yeah, and and, and that's it's it's an absolute real world possibility. <laughs> uh is is as much as I don't like to admit it, there's a there's a lot of bad beer out there. Oh yeah. And look, I always wanted to see our name on on a bottle somewhere, but it it's not something that on a variety of levels, as we just discussed, it just doesn't really work. I, I say take the wins where you can get them, and if you're <laughs> if you're if you're driving towards the marker that you know for you that you've really made it in the industry, that you're a big wheel now, is that your name is mentioned on the back panel of a six pack carrier that's in the grocery store? Okay. Um, but I would highly suggest that you recalibrate your expectations for success. How's that yeah. sound? That 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 makes a lot of sense. At the same time, I'm going to put it out there right now. If you're a brewer and you're listening to this and you want to send us some free beer and we'll talk about it on the air and then you can put our name on your six-pack, I hopnology.com on your six-pack, you know, endorsed by us. Endorsed send it on. By, send it over. Endorsed <laughs> we'll, by Two well, middle-aged guys talking over microphones in their basement. I'm 28 years old, and I have been for 19 years now. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, right, right, middle-aged. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to the, to the collaboration concept whatsoever, and that actually has worked out very well for us in the past. Usually around, like, um, notable events, uh, local events throughout the year like here in madison um we have the great taste of the midwest beer festival one of the largest in the country and it's it's pretty darn close to a state holiday now but the run-up to that like the week before the great taste is nothing but a series in the evenings of special releases or you know beer pairing dinners or things of that nature there was one time where we said you know what would be fun is to get you know four or five of our, our best customers together. And they all came out day before we had this uh, release and they all helped harvest hops. And so we had a, we, they were harvesting hops. They were going to use uh, wet hops in a, in a hop back basically. And, uh, and run, run, they all made a pale ale of their own, you know, recipe. And then they all had to run it through the same variety of wet hops that they came out and helped harvest. And it was a big hullabaloo and there's all kinds of press and it, and it was a really good example of, of how you can collaborate and draw attention to your business in the brewing community and in your local community and get people to start associating you with, with the craft beer scene, uh, at home. It's that kind of stuff I think really has a lot of legs that if, I had to choose between getting my name on a six pack or doing those sorts of large public events. I'd go for the public event. Sure. Sure. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And is that what turned into common thread? 
Uh, no, Common Thread was was something totally different. Um, so Common Thread was a beer event. Basically, it was a bunch of brewers that were in the State Brewers Guild. And actually, it wasn't a bunch to begin with. There was just a few of them. They got together and said, hey, let's just let's brew a beer together. We'll just decide on what it's going to be, you know, a few weeks before collectively, sort of nonchalantly. And then we'll brew this beer together and then we will uh, sell it. And then proceeds go to the Brewers Guild, right, as a fundraiser. And uh, just so happens I happen to be rolling past a brewery on a Sunday. It was a Sunday in early April. I was rolling past a Capital Brewery when our friend Kirby used to be the brewmaster there. And I'm like, what the hell is Kirby doing there? So I just stopped. I rolled in. And, of course, by that time, I had keys to the back door. So I just walked in. And uh, here's Kirby and a th- three or four of our brewer friends all standing around the mash tun. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and they're like, oh, hey, yeah, we're brewing uh, this beer and blah, blah, blah. And we're calling it Common Thread. And I'm like, oh, that's a really cool idea. So I was just going to hang out. And then um, they had just mashed in and they were starting up getting ready to add their hops. And lo and behold, they didn't have enough. <laughs> and I'm like, I can fix that. <laughs> so I quick jumped in the car and ran out to the farm and got in the cooler and you know brought some hops back i'm like here you go boys um and girls there were it was a boy and girl event and uh and that's how our hops got into common thread and it just sort of always continued that way and it wouldn't have happened if i hadn't crashed their beer party um (laughs) but uh but it was sort of like even even they said why didn't we think of this why didn't we think of having local producers ingredients in our beer and so then the following years, it would be local honey or local wheat or local, you know, whatever, what have you. Um, and it turned into a big deal. So, and, you know, that that ended up getting a lot of great press um, over the years the, as an annual event over the years. It, it speaks back a little bit to my comment earlier about not bad mouthing the others in the industry because you just don't know. Because they, you know, at least in, in the case of you guys, everyone got along. They got together. They, they found something common to work with. Common and, thread. Uh, well, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say that. Yeah, you um, meant to say that. <laughs> well, the and and we did consequently. You know, there were brewers that were involved in that in that program over the seven or eight years that that it ran that we had never seen or or talked to because they were in the far reaches of the state and just outside of our range. Or, you know, frankly, they weren't. They were just junk in our emails or whatever. And they was like, oh. Yeah, we heard you about you guys. Or, wow, I didn't know you were involved. You know, can I have a price list? Mm-hmm. Well, of course you can have a price list. Uh, can I have a business card? And then in those kind of events, we would we would find new customers um, because they found that we had this common thread uh, in you know between us that really made the sale for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, as long as we could deliver on quality and quantity and price. That's important. They were they turned into long term customers. Yeah. Now, now at that point, either the story started with you already having keys to the back of Capital, um, <laughs> which you know there we we could do a five part series on stories that start with you unlocking the back door of Capital. Um, uh, probably yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, with names changed to protect the innocent, except for Kirby. Yeah. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. How did you know? As we talk about relationship, and you know, somehow you went from that initial conversation to try to make the sale 
to the point where he handed you keys and said, just come by whenever you need to. What, yeah, well, more or less. Do, 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 you, do you remember that path? Vividly. Okay. Um, and it goes back to all the way back to understanding your niche. Who are you and what can you do better than anybody else? And being honest with yourself. Sometimes it's, it comes out of, you know, left field. You, you may not even realize that that is your competitive advantage. My competitive advantage was listening to brewers and having them tell me their, their wishes, their desires, um, and, and their horror stories. Right. But being, well, a chemist and brewing scientist kind of guy and, and a aroma scientist, I'm listening to this and I start troubleshooting their technical issues mm-hmm. and start talking about it. And they're, they're saying, well, I'm noticing this. I say, oh, well, that's interesting. Well, did you try adding the hops at this point instead because of, you know, whatever? And they go and do it. And then they say, well, wow, that guy was right. And so I'm building credibility where it's like, wow, this guy's really in it. And I'd never asked for anything in return. You're there. I helped solve their problems. And I never asked for the sale because I figured if I built the relationship, the sale would come naturally. And it did. But I I leveraged my niche. And I I can't stress that enough that you, you do have to leverage. You have to find your niche and exploit your niche and do it better than anybody else. That's how, that's how it was. I mean, our niche has always been the technical aspect and being able to translate that funky, crazy chemistry into something that a brewer or a grower can immediately use. And it worked out, served us well. It, it did. It absolutely did. And you know, we, we've said this before, and, and you'll hear us say it over and over again as we have guests on the program. These are, yes, these are business associates, but they're, they're friends. They've become friends over the years. Um, everyone in it for a, dare I say, common um, interest. And um, <laughs> nice. I can do, I can do it too. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> and you know, um, that credibility to your point that you earned early on with them allowed them to bring you into the circle and, and then, Hey, you know what? We do need hops. You know, let's, you know, you're not just a supplier. You're part of this chain here that we need part of this community. Right. So yep. That's, I've... and that is, you know, that that's such a tricky thing is going from, I, you said it very well a minute ago that you didn't ask for anything in return. The sales came naturally. That's a hard, that's a hard bit of patience to learn. Um, yeah. Especially when you're, you're running a farm and you need to pay the bills and you have this crop that's going to spoil it. Having the patience to, to do this, have this, get the sale the right way is tough. And there was a lot of that legwork, though, Greg, was done really early in the game when our crop was still maturing and, and our volumes were low. But mm-hmm. I figured, you know, I'm just not I can't afford to sit back and just wait till I have a bunch of stuff. I've got to build these relationships so that these brewers will at least be willing to try the stuff once it's ready. Right, right. And I, I remember those early days when we did have a few folks who wanted more than we we had to give. And it was yep. OK. You got to you've you know. You've got to wait and allow us to grow into this, um, and we appreciate your patience, and we'll get there with your support. So we yep. we really made it into a into a community conversation early on. I mean, what do you think about when you tell people to find their niche, and then you tell people that you know you have to have patience because this stuff doesn't doesn't happen overnight? That's not easy. No, and, no. I, I and, feel like it's very easy to say. Well, it is very easy to say, but I mean, what do you? 
how, what kind of advice would you give people about, you know, finding their niche and, and building their patience reservoir? Well, part, part of it goes back to knowing why you're in this in the first place. If you're just looking to have some fun and grow a little bit, you can, you can find a way to make that work. See, it, it's, it's especially tricky because we started this conversation talking about the fact that, well, you know, local's not your niche because local doesn't work. Because that, for a lot of people, will be the, the opening salvo there. That's their first ditch as well. I'm right down the road from you. Aren't I the perfect person to supply for you? Um, and again, as we said before, might get you in the door, but it's not the long term. Everyone's got to find that thing that clicks for them, that makes them different. So yes, that niche is critical. It's going to be different for everyone. We approach this very scientifically. And you had you know the scientific knowledge to walk in there and... and talk at the same level with the brewer about that. Maybe your niche is marketing. Maybe it's all about talking to the brewer about how to market and how to position things properly. Maybe your niche is more about variety selection and talking beer styles. And hey, you know, knowing this area around here, you know, I know I know you guys are really into some of the, the classic German varieties and you do Pilsners and things that don't get done a lot at some of the other places here that are IPA-centric. I'm going to have Saz and Tower and things that you need. Picking something like that where you can speak to it very plainly and, um, and hey, I want to work with you in this area. Because as you start having those conversations, they'll start sharing other areas with you. And before you know it, that niche that got you in the door, you, you can broaden it and you can be part of those larger conversations and be more of a partner. I really didn't. I really didn't realize how strong our niche was. I hadn't even really thought of our niche uh, in terms of you know technical support for brewers until I started talking to them and listening to what their issues were. And then it just sort of like, I can help them with this. I know exactly what the issue is, and it was just came from the listening. And yeah, if I didn't know what beans about brewing chemistry, but knew all sorts of stuff about market penetration and, and, and new startup and social media kind of things. And I'm talking to a new brewery and I'm listening to them or I'm observing some of the things they're struggling with. Not only can I sell you hops, but here I can help you maybe answer some of your questions or address some of your concerns you're having around something totally different. I can't tell you how much advice and, and troubleshooting I gave to brewers that had nothing to do with hop chemistry. And all sorts of stuff to do with yeast metabolism or water chemistry or, you know, malt, uh, uh, malting and, and germination sugar conversion rates and all that kind of stuff. Because as I'm a plant scientist, I know this stuff. Yep. And never once did we talk about hop chemistry. It's because I just, I knew the chemistry part, right? It didn't have to be about hops. So you could, you could very well know the whole social media angle and have nothing to do about hops, but that adds value. Absolutely does. There are so many ways that um, just starting those conversations, you can figure out what it is that you can give to them that they don't already have. And, and can't stress it enough, as James said earlier, doing that with no, with no promise of a sale, it's more about creating that partnership. You give a little as a starting point and hopefully it works out and you get a little back. And you start, you start slowly working your way into the inner circle to the point where inside of a year, you're walking in the back door and just sort of like walking in and there's 10 people on the brew floor and they all look at you and they, you know, 
Norm. Um, <laughs> exactly. And you're just there. You pop poking your head in. You have nothing to sell them, but you're there to check on them, see how they're doing. Um, have they used their your hops yet? You know, the st- last stuff they bought. How did it turn out? And start asking questions and observe and 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 show them that you have their best interest in mind. Yeah, uh, that. that 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 is truly relationship management at that point. You're not you're not selling anymore. They're buying. You you don't have to push the sale because you're managing that relationship, which is more important than the day in day out sale. Right. Yeah. And that's and and honestly, that going from that nervous, sweaty elevator speech to you know backdoor access to the to the brew house, it can happen inside a year if you are very clear about who you are and what you do. Well. So our folks have wasted a, another perfectly good 45 minutes listening to us yammer on about this. <laughs> that they um, have. You know, I was going to, I was going to launch into, we are going to continue this conversation about from the brewer side, how do you approach growers and whatnot? But I think we need to save that for another time. I, I think we do. I think we do. Um, before we, we close up here, I'm just going to re- read back off all the things we talked about from a, uh, you know, how to get, get in the door there as a grower. And that's, for the love of God, make an appointment. Don't just show up. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 really don't show up. You know, with a garbage bag full of hops, because that's that's the start of a lot of limericks that we've written over the years. Mm. Um, <laughs> have your elevator speech. Talk about their beers. Know their beers so you can have an an engaged conversation that lets them know that you are paying attention, that you care about what they are doing, and ask them questions. Make sure you know. Everyone loves to talk about what they are doing. Um, if uh, I, I recommend anyone who tries to get into selling go out and read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And the core of that book is all about the fact that people love to talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. Let the brewers tell you what's going on. And before you know it, you will find your niche and the expertise that you may not have realized you had in something that they are having trouble with. The social media example, James, you gave was a great one because it, it's something that you could say, well, wait a minute. I've been there. I've done that. Let me help you. So those are our uh, our tips for today. Yeah, that should give folks enough to chew on for right now. So, I think so. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't, www.hopnology.com. Um, sign up for our mailing list, send us some comments about what we talked about today, and uh, please join us again. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Yep, we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>